Hello! We've been expecting you. I'd like to welcome you to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we will be discussing Book 1, Episode 15, Bato of the Water Tribe. Today on my panel, I have Corey. Hi, friends. Charles. Hello. And I'd like to welcome back Lindsay after her two-week saunter to Colorado. Saunter. Awesome. Yes, saunter. That's the word I'm going with. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, without further ado, let's get this thing started. Uh, Charles, why don't you kick us off with your initial thoughts? Um... It's uh, it's an episode. <laughs> no, it's nice that we get some background into uh, Sokka and Katara's backstory. It's done in a kind of intrusive way, though. Because um, you know their dad went off to war, and it's somewhat feasible that this happens, but it's like, you know it's on the borderline of having shoehorns this moment in. Um... Yeah, we talked about last week how, oh, Aang made Katara a necklace. That's nice, but <laughs> I can I, tell I how excited you are. There was something about are. this episode that was like really weird. Like uh, watching the animation was just really awkward for me. Um, half the yeah. time, I thought like the uh, the non flashbacks, the Katara and Sokka move really wiry for lack of a better term. Like, they were wire figures or something. Um, and then their eyes always seem misproportioned. Maybe it's because they're trying to do, like, the recollection thing. But, um... Like, in, in terms of overall context, I do appreciate that we get some background, at least Sokka's stuff, uh, for while he was... They were in the Water Tribe and his dad leaving and I do appreciate that this does uh, reinforce the point that the three of them Sokka, Katara, and Aang are family you know and that's pretty much half the theme of the show in general so that's cool mm-hmm. alright Corey um, I really don't know what to think of this episode like there are so many pros but that the pros are evened out by the cons like the pros, I really like the bounty hunter. She's, like, really cool, and the whole, like, concept of her pet is really well done. Um, I liked Iroh this entire episode, actually. <laughs> shock, shock. Wow. I'm <laughs> stunned to hear like, that. more so than normal because of how what? funny he was. <laughs> There's no way she's even half his age. Come on. But that's what's so funny about it. It's just, like, a funny episode with him. Um, I thought the combat was really well done, and I, I really like Sokka, like, seeing glimpses of him as a leader, like, on the on the, the, the boat. I thought the boat scene was really w- well handled, and Sokka looked like a true leader. Oh, with the um, rocks, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a really fun scene for me. I liked Aang and, uh, and um, Zuko's confrontation towards the, the end, which was pretty fun. And, but then on the con side, Aang was so out of character in, like, more ways than I could count. Um, and it was just, like, one of those contrived misunderstanding type episodes that's generic in a lot of animated things. So that was, like, a real turnoff to me. And I thought that they, like, acted kind of appropriately when I found out what Aang did. But then, I don't know. It, everyone kind of felt like 
out of character in a way that hurt the episode. But it was a very strange episode for me to like review because like I liked a lot from it and I disliked a lot about it. Yep. And Lens. So kind of like like you guys like this this episode was uh, it it was okay like it definitely had the positives like uh, Corey was mentioning the bounty hunter June and I was talking about June a bit beforehand but I I personally love the character of June and I think. I'm kind of disappointed, actually, um, that because she appears only in one other episode, like not until like Susan's comment, though. But she, I think she's like such a cool. It is an important episode. I know, though. but I want more of her. I think she would have been a great supporting character to have like show up a bit more, and that's like my biggest regret of this episode. That they introduced such a cool character because I just love her. She's like such a badass with her like her cool little weird anteater creature thing. <laughs> I like the sheer shoe a lot. And so when they introduced her, I was always excited to have her come back and she never did. So I was kind of disappointed about that. But again, like even what Corey mentioned, um, Aang in this episode is just very like not himself. Like something is just a bit weird about the characterization of this. I definitely think it's a good episode to kind of reintroduce a bit of more of the backstory towards Katara and Sokka and show more about the um, water tribe traditions and uh, part of their culture, but kind of like how everyone's doing right now, it was an okay episode. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with uh, what you said, and I think Corey uh, got it pretty well. The, the episode I compare this to a lot is a lot of what I said about Kyoshi Warriors, where I think that there's a really good story in there, and then Aang's story is just not very good. Although I think Kyoshi Warriors, the good was better, and the wor- the bad was not as bad, which is why that episode I think is definitely the stronger of these two. But I think they're similar in the terms of there are parts of the episode that, as Corey said, I really like. I like June a lot. I like the stuff with Zuko and, and Iroh. And I like a lot of the stylization and the cultural importance of all this and the backstory. Aang makes no sense in this episode at all, though. And I even at times, Sokka and Katara don't make any sense. Um, the plot lines uh, with, with Bato is really silly. Now, for me, though, I have to say at the start, though, I don't. there's a few episodes of this show that I don't particularly like. This is one of them. And as a result, this is an sh- episode I have not seen very many times. Many episodes I've seen many times. I watched the episode for the podcast, and I'm really just watching it to refresh my memory and take some notes, and that's it. But I could probably do an episode, like if I really had to, I could do a podcast on most of these episodes without having watched it right before. This is not one of those. I remember the basic outline of this plot. I didn't remember all of it at all. So... It was interesting kind of watching an episode, not for the first time, but sort of not as familiar. Um, But when watching it, all the reasons that I usually don't watch this episode as often kind of came out. And I think that this episode just has its problems that we will get into. Um, So the episode kicks off and and we have Sokka finding the... um, the southern, you know, the, the the spear and realizing that the, the southern water tribe was here. The opening, I think, actually is really good though. I like Sokka tracking um, and sort of you can see that this is really showing the beginnings of Sokka's military prowess. Um, the fact that he can kind of look at a field and see, okay, I can see the scorch marks here. I can see the the footsteps here. I can see how this battle probably took took out, and then they eventually find find the boat. And I think that that 
overall, that sequence works really well and sets up what's coming very well. Um, and it's important because this is a really, like, a Sokka-focused episode. Kind of another hearkening back to, to Kyoshi. It, you know, it's kind of weird, the similarities between those, these two episodes uh, with the Sokka focus. And I like I like the seeds that they're planting here. And we'll get to it even more when we get to the boat, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, I definitely agree. It was, it was really nice in the beginning to see Sokka, like, really take charge and use his tracking skills. Because I feel like you, we... We always get so caught up in always oh, like a comic relief character that we always forget about his real skills. And I feel like honestly, the last time we really saw him using that, like the whole tracking skills that from that was from like the Jet episode when you like think about it. So it's nice to kind of have that like come back. Like, no, like Sokka's a total goof and everything, but he knows what he's doing sometimes. Like, he's a good tracker and he definitely does have like some kind of military, like, like that. I don't know. He, like, there's just more to him them we always kind of forget about yeah yeah and I, and I think that's really important I've, I've said um many times that I think it's very important that Sokka is given important things to do because if he isn't he becomes mindless comic relief and then okay he's funny but whatever the fact that you can see I mean in this episode Sokka has a few joking lines but for the most part Sokka is a pretty serious character mm-hmm. and I think that's that's really important because then his funny moments don't just they they get elevated as opposed to being like oh Sokka did something stupid cool mm-hmm. um so the June and the Shirshu get on uh, onto Iroh and uh, Zuko's uh, ship and it's interesting. I, I kind of I, I think the uh, the Shishu itself is very interesting um, with the the combination of you know it being blind, seeing through smell, and having you know this incredible sense of smell to track things. Um, it's that it is really cool. I am a little bit curious as to how Iroh and Zuko like don't know about like is this a one of a kind animal? And that's I mean if it is, then that's really interesting. Um, I don't know, um, but it's definitely like a very useful thing mm-hmm. for tracking and. Yeah, the the Iro the Iro romance thing is it, it's funny and I don't at all have a problem with it, but it is kind of weird that this is the only time we see Iro sort of doing this kind of thing with a young woman. Like we have a lot of plot lines where Iro hits on older women. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this is the only time we see him like as Charles said <laughs> robbing the cradle. When does he ever have the chance otherwise? He hits on the um, passport stamper in uh, getting into Bossing Say. No, I mean I'm talking um, about young for younger girls. Well, I don't know. He runs into random young women at times. I think. I think it's it was just like a running. It was just a running joke. He was hysterical. This and I, you know what I really liked too, how she kept insulting him, and he was like, "Ha ha, yeah," like with the weight things. <laughs> like he just played it off so well. Like I'll pay. I'll pay you. Um, your weight in gold. How about your weight in gold? Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I liked it. I'm not, I don't, this is just a, I mean, it, it's funny and it's one of those things where because it's funny, I, I give it a lot more leeway. I'm just, I'm just kind of curious how you guys thought about that part. Um, so we get the, the, the first uh, Sokka flashback and I really, I really like this one. Um, I think that there's an interesting bookend with seeing Sokka as a child and when he says, you know, he wants to go off to war and his dad says no and Sokka says, but I'm strong, I can fight. And I think that's really great because at that point he isn't. Mm-hmm. He is a child. Um, 
And even now, even though he's grown up a little bit, he still really is a child. But by the end of the story, he's matured into this relatively accomplished military commander, this person who is strong, who can fight. And I think that's like that is really great for showing the character growth from the beginning and to then to episode one and then to uh, the end of the story. This was a really big Sokka episode, too. I think if anyone shined the most out of any character, it is Sokka. Mm-hmm. Like, 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, as you said, with the beginning, with the, the tracking up to the ships, he, he definitely, this is, like, the biggest episode to the date where you see him at his full potential. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's focused, yeah. like, entirely on him. Even uh, up until the ending fighting because um, even the decision to go back and the, to go back and stay with Aang uh, after the the anger over the map that was soccer driven after he hears the thing from Bato about the wolves mm-hmm. the wolf yeah yeah no this is this is definitely a, a soccer focused episode and something that's interesting about the fact that it's a soccer focused episode um because eventually in in the start of book three in the awakening we get the whole we get the whole plot line with with Katara being angry with her father about leaving and about losing out on that and I think that this episode actually the fact that it is so Sokka focused even though Bato is just as much Katara's father as Sokka's I think you actually can see how different Sokka and Katara are towards the decision to leave and the fact that during the decision to leave, you just see Sokka being like, I want to go. I want to be with this. And how Sokka is much more, he wanted to be, go to war. He wanted to be a man mm-hmm. like his father, etc. While Katara, not that we don't see her, but because eventually we do know that she's a lot more sort of upset at the idea of them going to war, that she needed, she wanted her father to stay because she needed him. Um, I think that there is something interesting about how much this is Sokka-focused versus um, it being like a Sokka and Katara episode. Maybe they thought it would split uh, too much yeah. if they did that and tried the Aang fucking portion of this. God, <laughs> Aang knows. being it's like a how, little bitch. Well, uh, yeah, like you compared to the Kyoshi Warriors, right? And that was also very much a Sokka episode. And then they just had the like they they tied the Aang and Katara stuff together, uh, and they were that it was bad but not so bad because they actually had some time to dedicate to it and they did it well. Imagine this episode where you also had to do a a Katara plotline and then keep the shitty Aang part. It would be like infinitely <laughs> more shitty because you couldn't but justify what I, but any what of it. No, but here's here's my argument. You have Sokka saying goodbye to his father. There is no reason that that scene couldn't have been Sokka and Katara. Okay. I mean, I understand your point, and I I do agree with you that, that there is some degree of, okay, how much can we actually do in this episode, and let's keep this Sokka focused. And I do think that that's the actual reason, like, deep down, but just from a kind of looking at it narratively and looking at it across like in the full context as we do on the show there is something to like is it possible that Katara wasn't this in the same it, because sorry Katara's mindset mm-hmm. isn't the same as Sokka and is there on some level a little bit of oh maybe we can tell Katara wasn't as 
she was not as gung-ho about let's – she's not – obviously, she wasn't going to try to go to war. But like the fact that there is a difference of opinion because there we know eventually that there is a difference of opinion between how Katara feels about Sokka and the rest of the men leaving compared to how Katara mm-hmm. feels about it. I think it. I think just um, especially seeing yeah. the kind of interaction between Sokka and his dad in this also just kind of introduces us to really like what kind of what you were going off of his relationship with his father. Like obviously he looks up to him so much and he wants to be just like him. They're like, well, if you're going to war, I'm going to go with you. Like I'm going to fight with you. And it it definitely is like a, it's a good type of relationship to introduce. And like you mentioned seeing later on how Katara's relationship with him and her response to it is definitely like shows a dynamic of the family. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it does. Um, so I do agree with what Corey said in the, in- or what, sorry, what Charles said in the intro about there are times when the animation mm-hmm. is a little bit weird. Um, and it almost looks like much earlier animation because I've actually watched some of the test footage that they made for this and it at times it does look like this is like early animation I don't know how they animated and when they animated these episodes I I have no under I, I don't know how the process works but I do agree with that although the one shot that I do think is very good is Sokka's face um, sitting at the fire where he's just kind of looking off and it comes at the end of the flashback and there's no movement. It's, it's very subtle, but you can see the sadness that Sokka couldn't find any other, you know, couldn't find any members of the water tribe at that point. And it's sort of thinking about the, the disappointment that, that comes with that. And I really like that shot. Mm-hmm. Bato comes in and I think that, and I'll, I'll, We'll talk about this throughout the episode. I, at the very beginning, I think that the blocking with keeping Aang on the outside, where you could, where you had Katara and Sokka running up to Bato right in the front, and Sokka and Aang was kind of staying um, on the outside, staying a little bit be- behind. At that point, I think it was good. I think it was a nice bit of sort of setup to show Aang a little bit on the outside, doing a little bit of visual storytelling. Um, but eventually, I think it gets heavy-handed and over the top and and i'll it's get just, to that it's winning. just weird to me because ang immediately introduces himself and like totally ignored <laughs> and they just they they ignore him like completely and i understand katara and and uh Sokka being excited to see like an old family friend like it makes perfect sense to me but it, again i just don't think ang would be completely shunned out mm-hmm. like that like just no i I, I totally agree and eventually i think it gets really bad i think at this exact initial moment it's it's not heavy-handed enough for me to be that care. And, I can, and if, if this episode was good, or, I mean, I, I don't think this episode was bad, but if this episode was was really good, I think we would look at this first moment and say, wow, they set up the, the conflict of this episode with the blocking. The problem is because eventually it ends up not working out, it starts to get really weird. But I think in the very initial moment, it's good. Yeah. But um, it, that, but the immediate scene afterward is Aang politely introducing himself, and he didn't even acknowledge it. He was like, "Yep." Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, I, I think that the way they the way they I think the way they treat Aang is really weird, and I think the way that Aang treats them just doesn't make any sense. Yep. Very out of character. Um. Yeah. A small serious thing about Bato, I like that there. This is a plot line that is technically centered around the fact that you have a, a wounded soldier. That because. We kind of always have that fear of, can we get a little bit too lighthearted? Can we get a little bit too 
oh, there's a war going on, but nothing, it's not that big a deal. And I feel like we we have been a few episodes from one of those, you know, real gut-wrenching, we're in the middle of a war moments. And while this isn't a big one, there is something to the fact that this guy has, you know, clearly suffered pretty serious injuries. The fact that he's, you know, couldn't move and has been sort of forced to stay in this convent-ish thing. It's a convent. I don't really know what to call it, but... Where they yeah. make perfume. Um, so I think that's... Yes. Uh, so I think that is an important little little thing. Um, and then, actually, we get I, I, I kind of get right back on that. Um, although I don't know what to call it. It is a, a nice little bit of, like, we get a different cultural side of the Earth Kingdom that we sort of see this, like, this convent-like thing where they make perfume um, that's kind of very different from pretty much everything else we and, see. And also very um, convenient for later on. Yes, and I'll we'll talk about that <laughs> later. But from a purely, like... I, I the the one thing I do really like about this episode is the cultural juxtapositions of you have the Earth Kingdom you have this like Earth Kingdom convent, you have of later on we have this bar that June is in, and then here we have then right after this we walk in and we're suddenly in the Southern Water Tribe, basically. And seeing visually the differences in culture between these places is fantastic. And I think that I like I say a lot when we walk into a new place, I love the visual storytelling of Omashu just looks like an Earth Kingdom place because it looks like something the Earthbending uses. And I think that's true here as well, where I like that we walk into this tent and, wow, this looks completely different. This is the Southern Water Tribe. This is the culture that we've gotten a glimpse of, but we don't mm-hmm. get much later. Um, well, there are later problems with continuity. I do like the continuity that Aang consistently doesn't like Seaford yeah. later on in... <laughs> The puppet master Ang also has a problem with with sea prunes. I'm intrigued. What are sea prunes? I mean, it's I don't know. They're no, they're similar to ocean kumquats. Apparently. You also like Ang's passive aggressive uh, uh, statement about having dead animals for comfort. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of all of the things Ang says, I actually think that's the only one that's like legitimately in character, but it's though. Insult- like, but, like he... the thing is, like Ang knows. There's other people and other cultures, and not everyone is a, a vegetarian air, air nomad. So, like, that's like very insensitive, almost. Like, I didn't wait. say it was good. I just said it was no, 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 not out of character. Hang on, hang on, hang on. But he understands that. But it's like a com- like completely contrasting uh, concepts, right? Like, it's not just that they're not vegetarian. It's that they take, like, pride and honor the, you know, the death of animals. Whereas it's, it, it, so it's not just like, oh, you know, you you kill animals, that's okay. Because clearly a lot of people do that or they aren't vegetarian. And you've seen a lot of them throughout the show. But this is, like, a, exactly the opposite. Like, preserve life, don't kill sentient creatures, and then... But, like, he says it in such a, a passive-aggressive, sarcastic way that is very out of, like, the way I feel Aang would address something like that. And, like, also, you have to understand these are water tribe people that are freezing all the time. It makes perfect sense for them to use animal skin to keep warm. I'm not saying it doesn't make I, sense. I'm saying that, like, it makes sense he'd get kind of pissed about it because it's, it, it's so in contrast to what uh, he was raised with. I th- yeah, I agree, but I also think it was a means to show Aang's frustration at the situation as it is. Oh, for it sure. It wasn't 
No, yeah. you're right for sure. That's a hundred percent to serve the um to serve the whole blocking uh point like their plot that mm-hmm. we're going for in this episode. Yeah, um, right. It was so for sure. It's kind of shoehorned, but it's not like so out of uh out of the realm of possibility that I think like that I could be okay with. Yeah, it's a little bit awkward, but it's not like impossible. But you know what? But you know what, caught, what really caught my eye? He responded to. I'm not sure if it was Katara or Sokka saying it. Like, oh, it's just like home. Like, like, it's like so comfortable. And then, then, then he says it. It's not like it was like a hunter like bragging about his kill, and those are just like trophies. Like, it was him responding to like them saying it feels like home, and like that's like how he says it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I understand what both of you are saying. I think that the the point on both sides is that while it's not that Aang doing that was like good, it's just that it's not out of character. Like the idea that Aang is upset about animal pelts fits with what we know about Aang. The stuff that comes later kind of feels like legitimately out of character. Like, it's one thing for someone to say something that's a little rude and, yeah, he probably shouldn't have said that, to, like, no, I don't believe Aang would do that. And I think that's, like, more or less where this kind of thing comes in. So we get the first bit of uh, stories about Hakoda, and that I also really like, from especially from a Sokka perspective, because I, I think it puts in really good context the fact that like where Sokka's craziness comes from, that the fact that he's he's the the son of this kind of crazy general guy who does ridiculous things, and that that does add some more importance to this to the the comic relief side of Sokka because it makes it more than just oh here's some crazy guy who does stupid things sometimes. It's like oh no. This is how he where he learned it from. He learned it from his father. It makes it, it makes total sense. Um, but on the other hand, I think that for me, where this episode really begins to go downhill um, is when Ang is kind of sitting once again on the outside, and he starts getting cut off every time he starts talking. And I think this yeah. is where it just kind of gets a little bit silly, where it's like that's not. I understand that that Katara and Sokka are excited about being with Bato, but. Neither of them have ever shown this idea that they would, like, cut Aang out of a conversation. Mm -hmm. Aang isn't the type, I feel like, who needs to be the center of attention. He's not that kind of person. And I just think that it just doesn't – it doesn't fit with what I would expect of Aang. And it it feels very over-the-top to force conflict because they want to force conflict in this episode. And – Instead, I would think that Aang would be like, all right, they're talking to his family. I'm going to go sit and, you know, maybe if I sit by myself, I sit by myself, but whatever. Like, remember, in the first episode, Aang's the one who says to Katara and Sokka, or to Katara specifically, that, and even though he doesn't know her as well, like, I don't want to come between you and your family. Like, he seems to understand the importance of family and, and society and that kind of thing, and suddenly it's like, he seems to not even remotely care. And I just, it just... It, it, it got very heavy-handed really fast. Mm-hmm. And I feel like also, even just the way that the writing was done for Bato, I feel like going off of that, it, the whole thing's just so heavy-handed. Like, Bato's not at all, like, interested in hearing something from the Avatar. Like, I don't know. Like, especially because later on, he goes on to describe, like, 
it was it was horrible being separated from my my tribe and it was so sad and like clearly like Bata's like a good guy and to to have both Katara and Sokka and then also Bato being like ah oh, yeah just whatever just ignoring like something about that just never made real sense to me I don't know yeah yeah I, I would agree so we switch gears we go over to to our bar with yes! June arm wrestling and <laughs> and this is like another another thing I mentioned this earlier I love the switching cultures here where we now have this you know like seedy kind of disgusting bar where it seems like there's actually a mix of fire nation and earth you know fire and earth sides where mm-hmm. it, it's just like kind of a kind of a disgusting place to get a drink where and that's the kind of place June would hang out and that I I do I like I, I think it's another interesting different cultural thing we see um and important to contrast that with with the the kind of convent we have on the other side and Iroh is just hilarious because he's Iroh I just love every scene with June so (laughs) yeah so I, I, have, I have to say this, and I put this in all capital letters in my notes, that someone finally gets it when when Bato says, oh, well, you know, you could come with me and see and see your father. And Sokka and Katara are like, no, we need to get Aang to the North Pole. And it's like, hey, someone <laughs> actually has an understanding of what we're supposed to be doing. It's not Aang, but, you know, it's somebody. Kind of like brings you back like, oh, yeah, that's what we're supposed to be doing here. Yeah. And it, uh, I mean, we, you know how much we spend every week going like, guys, just, just beeline North Pole, go. And it's like, hey, someone at least recognizes they should kind of be doing something like that. Um, the problem, though, is the fact that Aang has left the room. And, and Corey mentioned it. I hate contrived fights like this. I, I think they're so stupid. They're so unnatural. Real people don't act like this on like this like missing information or mishearing something what are you talking about mark this is how i live my life maybe it's (laughs) how you live your life but it's just i hate it i really hate it because um it's like such a central point of this episode is like ang walked out of a room when he did and that's just not that doesn't make any sense um like i understand that ang is would be kind of sad at the idea of katara and Sokka leaving and there is this you know the fact that this is the only family that Ang has, but even then, it's just not. It just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. It is not. It's not. It's not a good foundation. If you want to have a fight between people who truly care about each other, and we know that they truly care about each other, you need a real bedrock. You need something real to happen that makes sense for them to to be fighting. Not Ang walked out of the room at the mm-hmm. wrong time. I, I just hate. Also, like, they, they do it in the most contrived way, obviously. He hides, like, it's like, you know, as we said, the, the standard for, like, when they don't know how to tell, like, a story type deal. But I think Avatar's above that. But, like, this is an episode where you could have had the exact same ends to a means where you could actually have them having serious talks about leaving and going with, um, like, maybe Bato tries to convince them to go back with the dad. And, like, maybe Katara wants to do one thing and Sokka wants to do another thing. And then there's the drama of the episode. Well, like you don't need to tell it like this. That's like what bothers me the most. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that there's, I think there would have been a very interesting plotline with even just like Bato saying like, you guys are still children, you need to come with me and come back to your father and something like that. Like, and there's ways you could have done mm-hmm. it and that this wasn't it. And then the other thing is to kind of add on the stupid contrivance, why in the world does this random military guy hand the military intelligence to Aang? It do- that makes I no sense. I don't know sense. about you, like, but when who I'm is giving Aang? away military secrets, I love to hand it to little bald boys on beaches. They're the most I, trustworthy I, I, It's not... I mean, fun. If Aang had been like, oh, I'm the Avatar, maybe... But there's no way he... Like, we've seen that not everyone is completely aware that Aang is the Avatar immediately. He seems to just... He goes, oh, I know Bato. And he's like, oh, here you go. Like, that's not... That doesn't... Like, this is, like, really important intelligence of, like, where the Water Tribe is meeting up. What if he was a spy? Like, it just... It's another thing where why is an episode hinging on something like this? It's just no. Nah, you're not thinking about it right. They they just got a Avatar World U- UPS. <laughs> those guys will just give their their stuff to everybody. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that they sent the military intelligence on UPS. Yeah, God, on. Get, get on this level, Mark. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, it's it's for sure contrived. Um, though. I'll mention that it's really interesting how this message comes exactly at this time. He was like, I'm waiting for yeah. it. It should come within a few days. I'm not sure when exactly, just... but it should be here soon. It's like 20 <laughs> exactly. minutes. As soon as the plot <laughs> needs it to <laughs> me, too. Uh, um. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. And I want to say, there are ways you could have done this. I mean, you could have had the message dropped off at the convent itself, and someone's like, bring it over. And he's like, oh, I can bring it to Hakoda, where they've seen him and they know that he's going to Hakoda. Okay, that, it's a little bit silly, but at least it it makes sense. This just doesn't make any sense. It's just it's just silliness for silly's sake. Um, and then, to on top of that, to add to this, where even though I don't think they're hitting the right note, they're at least trying to make this this big emotional moment for Aang, but then they have him come in and be, like, comedically lying and being super obvious about it. That's stupid. Like, why, if you really want Aang to be truly upset about this and truly, like, conflicted about what to do, fine. But you kind of commit. You can't then suddenly make Aang, like, be funny. Like, that's – it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying um, in Blue Spirit where it's like you can't – if you're going to have comedy, you got to do it at the right time. You can't just – throw a, com- a comedic moment in and not think about the consequences. And it, it just, it, once again, it undercuts Aang's emotion there. It feels like Aang is, is holding a surprise for them and not telling them something because it's like some silly surprise, not actually deeply conflicted about the, the trust he's breaking. To be fair, it leads to like one of the best like comedic scenes in the episode that actually makes me kind of like forgive a lot of this. It's like when they're on the ship and they're like, all right, Aang, you're in the position where you have to be like the most trusted. He's like, oh, and that was like, it made me laugh, audibly laugh out loud seeing that. I'm not sure if you guys agree with me on that, but that was like the funniest thing in this episode. I, I don't, but we'll get there when we get to the boat. Um, all right, we get, so now, so now Zuko and I are tracking um, the sign and I'm this actually actively bothered me. Why are they with the Miyuki and the cat lady? It, it <laughs> that's not that doesn't make sense. Katara was not there. So and they're tracking Katara since mm-hmm. not Aang. And 
I, Zuko should know that. Zuko was a major part of that episode. And we know Aang was, it, it was less than a day for Aang to do all of this. So it couldn't have been that far away from the base where, um, where the Fire Nation held Aang that Zuko broke him out of. I, I have no understanding of why they did this other than, hey, comedic moment with crazy cat lady and that's it. It just, it completely makes no sense and I don't get it whatsoever. You know, because uh, Mark, you already know my feelings because I personally love Crazy Cat Lady, but I do, un- I do yes, understand you do. where you're coming from. If she had been in a more recent episode, it would have been, I feel like, more understandable maybe, but especially like you mentioned, like, that was a while ago. Like, there's no real need to have Miyuki and Cat Lady back. No, it was only two. I mean, it was only two episodes ago. In terms of, like, t- episode time, it's not that big a deal. It's just, like... Katara wasn't there. It doesn't make sense for them to be going through this area. What if the crazy cat lady came down from the mountain towards where they were in the cave? Yeah. Oh. oh. Maybe crazy cat lady is on a journey to get more herbs and crosses over where the avatar and his friends were. Like, maybe they're... In the middle of a cave where there's no they vegetation? She's looking for mushrooms, Mark. Shrooms. She wasn't in a cave. She was outside in some okay. ruins. <laughs> no, you're right. It's, it's, ob- it's, obviously, make... um, it's obviously shoehorned in for a comedic moment. Yes, but... and I'm still okay. I, like, I understand Mark not being happy and doesn't make sense, but I still like it because I'm just like, damn, I want to know what the hell Miyuki did. It just, it, it bothers me though because this show is usually really good at this kind of continuity, at, at this kind of little moments to tie episodes together. Zuko, in Zuko alone, you see this, you know, this pregnant woman walking and then Aang and, and, and the rest of them run into the, the same couple later on in, in the Serpent's Pass. That's, for me, that's really good. It ties the world together. It makes this feel like a, like a living place. This kind of thing, it's just, it, it, it suddenly, it just like doesn't make sense. And then it ties to what I thought about this kind of, what I thought about the cat lady in the first place. Like it was kind of silly comedy that had no bearing on the episode. And once again, it's like, we're just throwing this in because it's funny and without thinking about the the importance of it. And it, it just, that kind of thing bothers me. Now, switching sides to something I did like a lot um is now getting to see the with with guitar or with with Sokka saying goodbye to his father and the the fact that Sokka hasn't been able to complete this um whatever rite of passage that he's been forced to um the fact that we get to really see on a personal level the loss of childhood and loss that that Sokka and Katara have felt because of the war and what the Fire Nation has done. And the fact that this entire culture down in the Southern Water Tribe has basically been wiped out is really important. And 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 and, and the one thing this episode does does just phenomenally well is showcasing how much Sokka has lost because of the fact that he doesn't have his father and doesn't have his parents. I think it also leads to like again the strongest, the strongest uh, uh, Saka scene 
and character development since I think he like later way later on in the series he crafts his own like uh, sword. Like it's just like one of those like watching him throw like this. First off, I love this ceremony. Mm-hmm. Uh, this like this like quote unquote water tribe bar mitzvah. <laughs> I think like it fits Oof. the water tribe perfectly, and it's mm-hmm. such a cool. Especially ceremony. the southern tribe. What? Especially the southern yes, tribe. Exactly, and it, it just fits their their culture perfectly, and it's just cool to watch. Like when you can mix like cool to watch as a viewer with like something that makes just perfect sense then you got gold right there yeah no i i think that this is executed really well um on on what you said earlier though i don't like the fact that because it's like another one of those contrived oh of course ang is the trusting one that was like, the that, funniest scene just to I, see him go like comedically like in a cartoon like oh like that yes his face was funny and i i laughed but it's like another one of those Oh, obviously in the episode where Aang can't be trusted, Aang has to but be the I trustworthy think, I one. I think, yes, it's meant to be a plot device in a way where, like, when, once they, at the end of the ceremony, they go to Markham, he's like, I can't accept this. But I also think it did two things. It did that, where it, it kept that going, and it had Aang come out and be like, I can't accept this. But then it also set up for comedy, and I think that's why it hits two marks at once. And it, it made something that's stupid, and trust me, it's stupid this entire arc with Aang, but it made it like enjoyable at least. It was to me it was the funniest scene in the episode and like audibly was entertaining for me. That's fair. And I do think it is funny. It just it's like in an episode that's very contrived, it's like, hey, another contrivance. Yeah. Woo. Um visually though I love this actually. I think that the the boat scene itself was was really well animated. Um and kind of I talk about like getting to see different types of fights, getting to see them essentially fight rocks was kind mm-hmm. of cool. And it's a soccer plan, and any soccer plan is that works. And is, I also really like just at the end the inclusion of the different bending too. Like that took some really cool smarts on Sokka's part. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was, and, yeah. and it shows after, that after, Sokka's yeah, that figuring this stuff forget. out really well. That he's figuring out how to use different all mm-hmm. the tools around him. Like even Bato is like, "Yo, Sokka, you can like calm down. We're good." And Sokka's like, "Uh-uh, we're gonna go over the rocks." Nope, I'm going for it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So then the Ang admits to 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 hiding the the map, and for once, Ang kind of seems to be a little bit of himself. But even here. I think that Sokka and Katara owe Aang a little bit more than a conversation. Like, I understand their reactions, I understand them being set, upset, and I even understand them leaving. But the fact that they leave basically instantly, they, they turn their backs and are like, bye. I, I feel like they owe Aang a bit more than that. And then it was Bato, too, that ultimately convinced them. Well, for, I, I mean, Sokka ultimately... It's funny, everything was reversed because... You would think that Katara is the first one that would want to turn around, followed by Sokka, then maybe Bato being the last in line. But it was Bato that kind of got the seeds into Sokka's head, and then Sokka convinced Katara ultimately to turn around, which was weird mm-hmm. to me. I, I almost would have—I I feel like Bato should have been a lot more like, no, you need to stay with that. Like, like, he should be the wiser one. Well, he did. Like, I, can under, like, I feel like eventually, but not at first— like, no, he, he set know. the seeds in the Sokka's head that it was a mistake to leave. I guess, but I, I guess, I don't know. I think, ba- that all right, that's fine. But I think that, like, 
Yeah, it, I agree with you. It's weird that Katara is not more like it, not more mm-hmm. torn up about this. Like she seems very much to like just going she, with what Sokka. I, she was saying, literally going with the not, flow. Yeah, which is not Katara and not her relationship with Sokka. And I think you're right. I, I think it makes sense for their reaction because of of course that's the reaction they should have. But they immediately did it. And the thing is, if they didn't immediately do it, then nothing would make sense. So they had to make like immediately leave Aang before he had a chance yeah. to explain himself. Yeah, the timing on all of it is weird. Um, and then, but then to make things even worse, it's like it's undone so quickly. Like they 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 turn and walk away, and you know they're leaving, and we get this this speech about the pack. And yes, I think Bato's speech, the performance there is really good, and I think it's like a really like a, a beautiful metaphor, although it's really heavy-handed and like, oh, of course a wolf howls and they're like, oh, it's lonely. We need to turn around. <laughs> like it's another one of those things. It's like, guys, like, come on. Can you give us something a little bit less obvious? Um, and, and But then it's just like immediately they hear this speech and Sokka's like, we need to go back. We're supposed to take Aang. It's like, what was the point of that like i feel like i understand that they couldn't do this from like that there's only so much show but this if they want really wanted to do this they needed to have Sokka and katara leave for at least an episode no you know what's funny i don't even mind that they went back but they should at least still be mad at him and like pretty much have ang groveling for him them to forgive him because even like if you still need to bring the avatar just for your duty to save the world it makes sense that they would still want to be with him and just complete that mission but they should still be angry at him or even if you want to do that, have like Zuko attack and have them be like, "Oh, we need to go back and protect him." They're still mad at him, mm-hmm. but they go and protect him, and then it's like, "All right, we're going to continue on." And Ang apologizes. All right, I could deal with it. But it's like what I when I mean by they needed to leave, I mean that if they they wanted to do this, like Katara and Sokka just like hear a noise and realize they need to leave, they haven't left even. Like they, it's been like two minutes. <laughs> like, I mean, I get not really, but. Like they, they didn't. If you want to do that, you have to hold the. You have to hold the emotion for a little while. You can't just. Right. It was a. It was a very Diggle way to forgive him. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's it. Nothing else to say. With Corey on that. Um. So the sheer shoe comes, and once again, this doesn't make any sense because other people have held this map, and like Bato has been holding it for a while, so. Why does like how do they know that Ang held it? How do they know that that smell mm-hmm. is Ang's smell? Like that doesn't really make any sense. And like yeah, the sheer shoe is fine, but like wait, I, I, you forgot what? the Aunt Wu part, dude. How yeah, do you oh, yes. forget Aunt about Wu does Aunt show Wu. up. I apologize. Aunt, Aunt Wu shows up. <laughs> she offers Iroh his fortune, and Iroh says no because Iroh no, is, she, is too she's mature. like, she's what about you, handsome? <laughs> I mean that's true. So I'm sure Iro is very attractive. I'm completely aware of that. No, I, no I, yes. Iro literally said there's only one thing left for me to find out, and I don't want to find that out. So we all know what that means. Uh, ooh, ooh. Death. Yeah. <laughs> is it um, that? I had no idea. <laughs> I thought it's what the legendary four flavor of ice cream was. Oh darn! I was uh, wrong. Yeah. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had to. We we just spent last episode, you know, there. So, yeah, no problem. 
It also, um, yeah. but the thing with time that we talk about a lot is actually really in play here. Because where the hell have Zuko and Iroh been? And then how is their, how is their Sishu either A, going that fast, or B, how are they like that close but then that far, you know? Well, we know the Shishu, it can move very fast. Like, we know that they can tra- it can travel basically from, um, I mean, I don't know exactly know where they pick up June, but from somewhere to Bossing say like, very quickly. But, yeah, the time, I don't think it makes sense. Like, I don't, because it, it's weird that they're kind of, it's during the day, they're leaving. We know that they're at Aunt Wu's area during the day, which theoretically should be close by since that was last episode. So yeah, I agree with, with you, Charles. I don't think it makes sense. Um, all right. So I do say I will say this that once we get to the, the the climax of the episode with the fighting, I do think that this fight overall is very good. Um, it's probably one of the longest longer mm-hmm. fights we've seen um, overall, except maybe the one in blue. I guess the blue spirit one's probably about as long um, towards the end, but. We, and we see it fought on many different levels. We see Aang fighting Zuko two different times. We see the animals going at it, which was really a treat to see, to see something like very, very different with Appa versus the Shearshu. Um, and we get twice, we get some very nice close quarter fighting where we have Aang and Zuko up on the roof, uh, kind of tight whopping, tight, uh, tightrope walking. And then at the end with, um, when they're on the, uh, on the well, uh, I think those are animated very, very well. And I think they're all really interesting. Appa was a badass this episode. Like, the scene where he comes out of nowhere and tackles the bounty hunter's animal, because, like, the, 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 just the, the framing of mm-hmm. that was awesome. Like, it was, like, the coolest yeah. Appa scene I think I could ever remember seeing, basically. And I'm not even just saying that the gush. I'm saying, like, it was just a cool thing. No, I, I agree with you, yeah. And, like, the way he, like, roars at him and shows how vicious, like, you know, little old Appa uh-huh. could be. It was... That, it's like one of those episodes, like, again, this is why this episode's so frustrating for me, because you have some of the best content mixed in with some of the worst content. It's very confusing to me. It was it was definitely yeah, cool seeing definitely. Appa being like, uh-uh, don't fucking mess with my friends, and just, like, goes totally AWOL on the thing. Yeah, I liked it. But I also, I also like that Appa yeah. loses. Like, I think that's also important. That it's, like, Appa's not this, like, invincible mm-hmm. giant monster. That, like, there are weaknesses. And, and the Shear Shoes Venom, uh, or Toxic, yeah. does affect them. Eventually. Yeah. Um, also, Appa can air that, I think that's... Yeah, we knew that. Did we? <laughs> yeah, or I guess at this point we didn't. But yes, Appa, the... By, the bison are the original air. Well, yeah, we we know it's like the uh, moles for earthbending, uh, the dragons for fire. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, but we know that because and the moon. Don't forget the about the moon. moon. <laughs> right, the moon, <laughs> who is oh, human at the, the end moon. of the series, but whoa, <laughs> whoa. you spoiled the like Sokka cry. <laughs> it's not the spoilers. I'm saying you're gonna make Sokka cry. Oh, it's gonna you're, make you're me cry. Right. Nah, they they get together in the cheapy episodes. It's okay. It's fine. Uh, okay. Oh god. Oh god. Are we gonna do those? By the way. I think we I should. I don't know. <laughs> we probably will. Especially because right. one of my favorite uh, Zuko and Gatara moments are in it. So. Oh god. Well. Then yeah, no, we're, we're doing, doing it. it. So excited. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um. 
Yeah. I do I do also really like the colors at first sight that they do with the perfumes mm-hmm. with the sheer shoe. Uh, we see it a little bit earlier on when it's sort of tracking a little bit of scents, um, but then showing it's kind of slowly going blind with the perfumes. I thought that was a really nice touch and, and kind of added it very interesting. I'm, I'm sorry. I just remember something I wanted to bring up. Um, it was a little bit yeah. back when they come barging into the convent the first time and knock down the doors. And then they come back and they knock down the doors again. I was just like, oh my god, how many doors are there to knock down and destroy? Like, No, no, no. Did you notice the second time they did it, the door is, like, really shitty? Like, no, they just I didn't notice that part. It. I gotta rewatch that now. Because I was just thinking to myself, like, how yeah. the hell do these old ladies just like, oh, well, the door got destroyed, let's fix it, and then puts it back up together and just, like, bam, through the door again. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the second time it's, like, really, it's, like, random pieces of wood. Or, oh, wow. It's not, like, then the, anything. the poor old ladies. <laughs> They're just like, I came yeah. here to make perfume, not fix doors. <laughs> yes. Of course, the problem is, and I think Corey kind of hinted at earlier, the fact that, of course, they're in a perfume area when they have to defeat the beast that smells by, that fights by smell. Like... I guess I guess, I guess if they had to, if they they had to get all of the contrivances out in one episode, I'm glad they did. But like another one of like oh well, if only, I'm glad that they were in this convent, and not the one down the street that makes bread or something. Well, yeah, but I was gonna say it's looking at history itself. Convents themselves like would always make different products, and perfume was a very common product for convents to make and sell off to make uh, money for that. So. Yeah, no, the, the perfume itself, I don't have a problem with that. I actually think it's a really fun kind of little detail. It's just the fact that in this is the episode that we see that and the beast that smells with its nose is, like, again, very convenient. I also appreciate how Iroh avoids fighting at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he's Iroh. And then eventually just kind of lays down... Uncle, when did you get hit by the tongue? <laughs> little... Little inappropriate, but you know, let slide. I guess. I don't know how old she is. It could be. My inappropriateness does not have to do with how old she is. It's I, the whole pretending to be the uh, unable to move thing. I not my not my favorite move, but <laughs> I whatever. mean, uh, uh, yeah, it, it is a little bit out there, but. It's the joke they started, like, way near the beginning. Yes. They're going to run through. Yes, and it is and it is a comedic thing in this episode that I think is good. So I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to be neg- too negative on that. So we get the episode, it wraps up, and, I mean, again, like, Ang doesn't even have to explain himself. Like, we don't have an apology, it's just like... There's no, sorry, oh, I we're gonna go wanted with you. to fuck up your plans to get reunited with your long-lost father. Like there's none of that, and like I, it just a small apology would have at least, at least tied up this like tied up this loose end. But it's like nope, we're just going to we're just going to ignore that, and we're just going to be completely family again. Um, and I don't know, it's just another there's like another in the line of this whole this whole saga with Aang that's mm-hmm. just not particularly well done. Uh, of course, though. In the end, the, the Katang shipper in me has to say, oh my god, Aang gave Katara a betrothal necklace, and she kissed him. But it was for Zuko. 
They're engaged. <laughs> we won. We won. No, they're see, engaged. Mark goes for Zuko, yeah. So. He's not well, give this to Zuko. stole the. Sarcasm in a proposal. I am the proposal. Th- listen to what they said. <laughs> That's not okay. How that works. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, British TV humor would never have been a thing. <laughs> yeah, well, you're right. You are right. But, oh my god, they're engaged. That's No, the show they're can fucking end now. not. You're, you're right. It could end now. Um, Ozai would just kill them all in a year. It's okay. It's all good. <laughs> Basically. Basically. Alright. So, we're gonna wrap up our episode. Um... A little bit of a shorter one because, but we still have our final thoughts. Before that, though, I wanna I wanna reiterate our rating scale because this is one where it seems like we've all been a little bit more negative, and I wanna sort of just state that from the beginning of what the scale is. So, it's a rating scale from zero to ten. A five is an average episode of television. A zero is truly horrific television. A ten is truly spectacular. Truly, some of the best that you've ever seen. So. On that rating scale, we're rating against all of television, not all of Avatar. I think that's just important to say up front before we potentially give this lower ratings than we've given, but also we'll see, you know, so we'll see how it goes. So we haven't heard from you in a while with your absolute, uh, actual rating, so Linz, why don't you okay. kick us off? So kind of like before I mentioned, my favorite part of this whole episode is June and her uh, share shoe, and that's really it (laughs) um like we've been talking about it definitely shows like some interesting moments of uh cultural differences of the northern water tribe of the southern water tribe and definitely gets into um issues of both Sokka and Katara's relationship with their father but kind of like we also have been talking about there's just the consistency of characterization just it's kind of off and honestly like there's I feel like there's not much else, really. So, um, I'm probably going to have to give this episode, like, a 6.6, 6.7. It's just kind of like you mentioned before, Mark. It's an episode you don't really remember that much about, like, you know about it. But I think it's... It's not that worthy of a higher rating, considering my favorite part was the side character doesn't come back until, like, another two or three seasons away from now, so. Yep. All right, Charles. Um, I mean, I agree. Like, well, okay. My favorite part about this episode was the fighting. But that happens at the very end, and we also know that Avatar is, like, great on doing animated fights like it's a spectacular show at that so yep leaving that out and june's like immediate you know characterization like just the way she acts what she does the sarcasm and everything she says that's cool um but the meat of it the episode itself was just kind of eh. mm. uh now mm. i gave i think i gave great divide a six so this is definitely better than that, but not by that much. So I'd probably give this episode a seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Corey. This episode had like way too much good going on 
in it for me to like really hurt it. I mean, I, I it's such a polarizing episode. The the bad is really bad, and the good is really good. Um, but ultimately, there was more good than bad. I think. So ultimately, I'd have to say that um, the good outweighs the bad, especially with Sokka and his 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 trial, which was phenomenal. The ending fight scene. Um, everything together mashed it above average for me. So I'd say ultimately this is a definitely a seven point five for me. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm gonna be a little bit lower. Uh, the contrivance in this episode definitely bothered me. Um, there are things I like a lot, um, as I said. And at the end of the day, as I kind of the, this is still Avatar, so this is definitely like not even like it's not bad. Um, it's it's still definitely above average. Um, but I, there's things about the, um, all of the contrivances, everything with Aang that, that really just puts a sour taste in my mouth. And I think that the, the good stuff, while it outweighs the bad, it definitely is brought down. And I, as I, as I said, where I compared it to, uh, Kyoshi, where I thought Kyoshi, there was a great episode in there and then a mediocre episode in there. So it averages out to a, a very good episode, just not something truly spectacular. This is an episode where you kind of have a good episode, you know, a very good episode in there mixed in with a pretty bad episode. So I think it's much, much closer to average. So I'm going to give it a 5.6 above average, but not by too much. All right. So with that, we're going to close out thoughts from Aunt Yu. Uh, Thoughts from Aunt Wu. Wow, that was terrible. <laughs> We're going to close out Thoughts from Aunt Wu. But we would like to ask you to follow us on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Charles. Follow I us. That. Yes. You can follow us on Twitter at Aunt Wu underscore pod. Um, you can also leave us comments on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can check us back for next week. Uh, we will be doing one of my personal favorite episodes, Ooh. Deserter. Uh, so look forward to that. And yeah, everyone, uh, anything else for anyone to say? It's good to be back, guys. I'm sorry I was gone for so long. It's it's good to have you back, Lens. We have Yay. missed you. All right. Thank you very much, guys. See ya. Peace. <laughs>